So we have two yeah. Hanses now. Sometimes both will be here. Sometimes one Hans will be here. So it's like Freddy, Jazzy, and Hans. But it could be. There'll always be a Hans. There'll always be a Hans. <laughs> we have some days there'll be two of them, right? So for this Hans, so this Hans, we're not going to number them or give them letters to distinguish them. It's just Hans. So Hans. What, what would you tell people if they were like, well, who's this new guy on the on the on the podcast? What would you say to them? This new guy. You're the new guy. Oh me. Yeah. Um, just a fellow traveler who's met up with two cool dudes who have interests of the same and different interests. Um pretty open-minded, uh, stubborn in a lot of ways, um, and got a lot of work to do on myself. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's we fair. all got a lot of work to do on yourself, on ourselves. That doesn't make you unique. <laughs> oh, you said unique? I didn't hear that part. Ah, okay. <laughs> What makes you unique, Hans? Unique? Oh, my. Well, gee, what makes me unique? Well, I don't know a lot of people that set out hitchhiking around the United States at the age of 13 and a half. Who was that? Where? <laughs> no, who? You? Me? 13 Moi. and a half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did your parents have to say about this? Well, they didn't know. <laughs> they were uh, like working in camps, so they thought I was at home going to school like a good boy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, my best pal, we made a journey down to the States. And the first time we um, were refused at the border, of course, because, you know, we were too young. And then we were told if we had a letter from a parent or guardian, we could come back and try crossing the border again. So we headed back to our northerly hometown in northern British Columbia and got my sister to craft a letter, <laughs> which she did. How old was your sister? Uh, five years older. Okay, I thought you say five years old. That would be amazing. But okay, five years old. <laughs> yeah, so she would have been around 17 at the time. And uh, incidentally, the first time we tried to cross, we met this Filipino man who was a Mormon, which we didn't know. But he was very generous to offer us a place to come and stay should we come um, to Salt Lake. So then the second time we tried to cross, we thought, hey, we got a place to go. So off to Salt Lake it was. But when we got there, within a couple of days, his plans were to put myself in a separate Mormon home and my friend in a separate Mormon home <laughs> because he thought our parents were neglecting us. 
little did he know that we were neglecting our parents. So with no money in our pocket, we got up in the middle of the night and we got out of Salt Lake and started to head to California. And uh, when we got to about Reno, we were quite hungry and had only a few nickels and dimes in our pockets. So we walked into a gas station and lo and behold, there was a nice big slot machine there. Put some coins in there, won a little money, and then ended up going through the Sahara Mountains, which was um, really wintry. And then into San Francisco. And in San Francisco, we ended up hooking up with the Moonies, which we didn't know they were the Moonies until quite some time later. We asked them if we could stay the night at the temple. Um, didn't look like a temple. It was like a, a brownstone and asked them if we could stay the night there and they refused that. So we ended up sleeping on the lawn of some apartments and uh, at about two or three in the morning, the automatic sprinkler set off. So we were just soaking wet. <laughs> we got up and started to wander around and a police car drove by and we asked them for some help and uh, they put us <laughs> They flipped us a dime, literally flipped us a dime and said, go call this place or whatever. And that didn't amount to anything. So we got on the highway and to make a long story short, we got picked up by a black guy and a black woman. And that turned out to uh, go a bit awry as uh, we didn't have any gas for the automobile. They said they were heading to Canada, which we thought, great, that's where we're going. And so they didn't have any gas. So we decided to trade our camera for some gas. And at this point they started leading on like the car was stolen. <laughs> we, we told the gas station attendant okay, uh, as he was filling the gas up, I was at the back with the gas station attendant, everyone else, my friend, the lady and the man were in the car. And I told him, I said, listen, this, this car's stolen, but we wanna get as far as we can toward Canada. So just letting you know, in case we get pulled over by the police that we're innocent. <laughs> in the car we go, we start heading up towards um, the, uh, California, Oregon border. And at this point, I get to drive the car. So I thought that was pretty fun. And then I look <laughs> behind me and I see uh, black and white <laughs> following us at a certain distance, following us, following us for miles and miles, right? And I told the uh, black gentleman who was sitting beside me, I said to him, I said, uh, there's this car behind us that you should be aware of and what do you think i should do because you know they told us the car was stolen right <laughs> he said well maybe pull off at this next off-ramp so we pulled off at the next off-ramp pulled into a gas station that was closed sat under the covering there where the pumps were and the uh, black and white kept a good distance off into the extended parking lot area. 
and uh, finally got out of his vehicle, had a shotgun by his side, not pointing, but by his side and ready. And uh, then I got out of the car and I just kind of stood there and kind of looked around waiting for something to happen. And then he, he gestured me to go over by this propane tank. One thing leads to another, a sheriff vehicle pulls up, a couple more black and whites, a couple more Jeeps, blah, 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 blah. And then we find ourselves in a jail cell. And um, then we found out these, these, they asked us questions. They said, so what'd the guy say? And what'd the other guy say? We said, what other guy? So it was a guy and a woman. And they all started chuckling like in a cartoon. With their heads and bump, 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 bump. So the black lady was actually a black man. We were too naive to figure all that all out. And so they, they put us in a, uh, a, a group home for a night, gave us $20 each because having $20 on us meant we weren't soliciting hitchhiking on the on the highway in California. That that made us legal. <laughs> and then we uh, hitchhiked home. <laughs> Holy shit, Hans, I never knew this. You're going to write a book. <laughs> well, that makes you unique. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at that age, like we were just, we, we thought we were just completely invincible. We could do anything, go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was going to stop us. <clears throat> and I think kids these days. <laughs> and their Nintendo boxes. And <laughs> I don't even know what to say after that story. I, th I think that's just one of the best stories I've heard. Yeah, fabulous. So tell me, tell me, Hans, I'll, I'll ask a follow-up if that's okay. Absolutely. So how does that experience, so how long was it that you were gone? And what did your parents think about all that? We weren't gone more than a month. Okay. Almost a month. <laughs> and your parents were away at the camp, as you said, so they didn't know you were gone for a month. Is that true? No, didn't know. The school didn't call them up and said, where's Hans and his brother? They couldn't call them up because they were in the bush. <laughs> what did your parents do in the bush? Um, my stepfather was a logger and my mother was a, a camp cook. Wow. But... Um, yeah, after we told them, which was, I don't know, years later, they found it, <laughs> they found it kind of amusing. <laughs> One other story was uh, when I was uh, seven, I was at the, uh, this was in Princeton, British Columbia, a tiny little town um, near the Okanagan. I fell asleep in the movie theater. And when I woke up, it was completely empty. And so I ran to the front doors and in a panic, just shook the doors and waited for people to come by. And when they did, I screamed, help me out of here, help me out of here. 
and none of the people knew what to do, so they just kept walking. <laughs> Until finally, uh, the, the owner came down and let me out. But I, I remember this, uh, this uh, photograph in the 1993 version of the ABD, uh -huh. um, Bardo Theater. Mm -hmm. It just made me wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, because you, you, you sort of intuited my next follow-up yeah. question, which is, so either both experiences or one of them, how, how do they... How did they shape you as you 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 gained more years? I guess I just thought things couldn't get any worse, although they did. <laughs> get the worst stuff out of the way. Exactly. Wow. So you met reasonably decent people that would pick you up. They didn't ask questions like, why are you on the road at 13 and a half? The oh, people yeah, they did. Are yeah. they that, are they that like insensitive? They're like, oh, okay, sure. Where are you going? You know, bring up the fact that you're so young. Yeah, some of them ask questions. Others just minded their own business, I guess. Even got some rides from a couple of Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> That felt kind of good, but you know, when you when you think it's that invincible, you, you don't worry about anything, or yeah, doesn't cross your mind. Mm -hmm. What's next? What's next? Right on. Where are we gonna eat? <laughs> Where are we gonna eat? No. Where are we gonna eat? Yeah. Where's the next slot machine? <laughs> Where's the next slot machine? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, somehow we're supposed to segue from that wealth rich story into our topic for the day of, of maybe we can use the, the idea of invincibility, right? So the, the COVID, we were going to talk about COVID, but, but in a personal way, not like whether we think this or that about things we don't know about, we can only guess at, but like personally, being quarantined and personally having it, jazz want, right? Yeah. And people in your family having it. And so what, what if any of the, all the side effects of COVID, the lockdowns, the masks, the, the constant stream of news about it, right? After two years, how have you felt any, um, has it changed you? Does it change the way you look at things or behave? Or, or are you just like an invincible 13 and a half year old kid who's just like, what's next? COVID-19? Shouldn't it be COVID-22? No, I mean, 19, 20, 20, and 22. Is that what the 19 stood for? Mm-hmm. The yeah. year. Oh, the year, I didn't know the that. The year it came to visit. Never knew that. Yeah, and and some people said some people thought, well, whatever happened to the other previous eighteen COVID? <laughs> <laughs> but, but those are our leaders. <laughs> but uh, yeah, geez, that's a long question. Well, I um, my recollection was Freddie Freddie called this one. 
because uh, Fred Fred was uh, Fred teaches um, English to Chinese students to young Chinese people, and uh, I remember during one Diablo two game we were playing with Claude and Fred was like, well, you know, I think this might be the big one. This it's 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 um. I can't even remember the name of the uh, ratio or the RX factor. Yeah, I started spouting off to you guys all the stuff I was reading, like R's and this's and that's, and I don't know. And I I was worried about coming off as a kind of crazy man. Because I I got word of it. It It's like my students are like, yeah, we're locked in our house for two weeks now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching some crazy stuff on the news, like the (laughs) It was like just seeing pictures that are just unfathomable for for a Western mind. Like they, one of the things I, one of the more stark images that was like I was like shaking my head. Is this really happening? That there was um, the the disease got um, traction, right, and it gets traction, and then yeah. figure it out, right? But it had already received it. It already had gotten traction. The figuring out was still to come. And I saw photographs before the stark image. Yeah. That, that stark image was the army was putting giant piles of rubble on the roads to, to lock people into the cities so they couldn't escape mm-hmm. the lockdown that they knew was coming. And they blocked all the roads with just piles of dirt, stone, debris, whatever. And I was like, wow that's that's some severe stuff right so then i then the kids were like yeah we're in the house for two weeks so i just started reading everything that i could get my fingers on right just just using the internet for for wormholing down different tunnels of information and then i would tell elena and others like this is coming this is coming we don't know what this is but it's coming and you know and all the kerfuffle at the beginning which was really exciting because it nobody knew really what it was Mm. right nobody knew whether it was deadly nobody knew whether it was um the end of humanity right not that but a lot of us were going to go away made and there was just no answers right it was all a possibility the Mm. virus as it as it was and there was all kinds of mean stuff at the beginning because everybody thought it came from a bat and then there was all these sort of mean photographs and video of people in asia eating weird shit right you know and then it was you know it was then it was an escape from a laboratory and there were pictures of the laboratory which was near a it was just amazingly amazingly open-ended the whole thing right the whole thing was just so open-ended like what was going to happen i remember thinking one of my first thoughts was like Geez, if, if you were designing a bacterial weapon, that's what you would do. You'd, you'd give it to somebody. They wouldn't know they were sick or carrying it for two weeks. Now, now this is just what I, what I when, when Fred turned me on and I started sort of keeping an eye out on it. I mean, it's, it's just perfect because it's out there. And then all of a sudden it hits. It's it's like just just perfect. And then, and then of course it was the bats and the yeah. animals. There were theories about this animal or that animal. Or the, yeah. the no market. more wet markets. Don't eat the weird, wild, strange animals anymore. Right? Kind of finger wagging. 
Yeah. And there was the whole thing that people didn't know how it spread, right? That was kind of exciting. Oh, yeah. Because then, remember, there there was these images in China and and Asia in general. They're spraying everything, right? With this, like, substance. They're just spraying. And then there's thousands of, you know, workers polishing and wiping off all the handrails in public, you know, public Mm -hmm. transportation. And then even here in Spain, in this tiny little village, at some point, like long after the theory had fallen apart, that that, that was how it spread, right? We mm. we got our little truck up here, and it sort of sprayed part of the town because the road <laughs> there's no road. What you they whatever they they did okay, yeah. But the town is up. No, we can't take the truck up there. Sorry, so we'll just spray a little and go to the next town we can't get inside of. <laughs> So it was super, and then there was these Chinese reporters. They were called citizen reporters. It was fascinating. Uh, and they would take their cameras into mm-hmm. hospital zones in China. And it was yeah. just madness. It was frighteningly like movie style madness. Hundreds of people outside the hospital trying to get in, people dying, right? There would be images of people like near death because they can't breathe. And they can't, hospitals are overwhelmed. And, and it was just like, this is what's going on in China until China like turned off all the channels. Like, nope, you're not going to see the guy on YouTube anymore. He's in jail. You're not going to see this. Oh, that guy's missing. His mom doesn't know where he's at. This citizen reporter has just disappeared. <laughs> and then, you know, then China starts to control the information coming out of it, which made it even more weird and wonderful and scary, right? So what are they, what, what are they hiding? Right. There was this great video, too, of like the 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 the, the Xi, the, the chairman Xi was coming to an apartment complex that was locked down. Right. Yeah. The, the video was of all the people booing him. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? We're locked in our rooms in Chinese, of course, you know, we're locked up here. Boo. You know, it was like just hilarious. Oh, wait a minute. Don't let that get out. <laughs> They're not happy about this, you know. So it was super interesting and wide open, just just wide open. What was going to happen? What's next? To go back to Hans's story, what's next? Weren't there also videos of people just falling over in the middle of the street? Yeah, yeah, I saw all those. Yeah, I was like fascinated. Really? Then I bought books on the 1919 flu, this so-called Spanish flu, and I started reading about the Spanish flu to get contacts, right? Because they didn't know what it was either, right? They thought it was a bacteria. It took them very mm-hmm. a long time to realize there was this thing called a virus. So they were treating it as a bacteria, which of course was was useless. Yeah. And I actually Googled up, and, and I'm sure I Googled before, but this time I came up with an answer for a virus and the difference between a virus and a bacterial and the bacteria can is a living organism that can survive. It, it's like self-sufficient. It can survive. A virus needs a host, so it's more like a parasite. Yep. So that's when when they started to figure out. And it wasn't very clear until very recently that you know the hand washing and the um, the tables and the surfaces and everything you touch, it, it can't really transmit the the virus. It's only through the air. Yeah. And, and so 
if it's in the air, it can only survive a very short time. I have no idea how long that is. I don't know if it's no. a matter of minutes, seconds. But what's interesting is that we watched all this unfold. Like we wa and that was what was interesting too, is people's impatience with science, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people being really impatient. Like, what is this thing? And they're like, we don't know. Well, why not? You're scientists, you know? <laughs> we don't know. We're guessing. And then they would guess wrong, right? Then all this bad information got, you know, just like, you know, science is, you're going to make errors. I'm sorry. I think that promoted a lot of guessing. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then everybody became an expert. <laughs> yeah, well, then then that was one of the later mutations of the virus was everybody became really smart <laughs> and knew more than everybody. You know, so Jasmine, was... when you were discussing the uh, uh, um, virus and the um, what was the other one? Biological bacteria. 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 Pardon me. Are you saying that? It's useless to wash your hands. It's pointless. Well, it, it'll help bacterial infections, right? If it's not, back not COVID, though. Uh, apparently not. That's I mean, that's what what it's, it's where we're uh, at today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might change again. The hand sanitizer people made a killing, though. Just a killing. And they still oh, are, aren't they? Like people. Yeah, yeah. Like, every store going, in my my zone. Going into every store and out of the store, sanitizing their hands, and yeah, that's why the flu didn't happen last year. <laughs> uh, after after about the, I think it was March 16th. That's when, uh, or March 15th in 2020, when the NBA the NBA decided to cancel the entire season. That was amazing. That that was, that was, was amazing. Really, it, it, that's when okay. I think everybody went into close that. We were, we were told no they more Tai Chi, no more this, no more that. And, uh, and they and shamed that poor basketball player who made of the French basketball player who made light of it. And then everybody went and shamed him, right? What was <laughs> yeah. so amazing about canceling the NBA? Well, that's when you knew it was real. It became, a, it became a trigger was a real thing then, right? It wasn't just made up anymore. It wasn't this sort of, I don't know, it doesn't exist kind of thing. It was like, no, they the, the, the million billionaire guys said, okay, we're gonna turn off the faucet now. Oh, so, wow, okay, so you're gonna lose a lot of money and that's more, okay, so it's really bad if you're willing to, to lose all that money, right? Rather than lose all their players, eh? Yeah, they did. They, they, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at that. But for me, anyway, Jaswan brought it up. I would have forgotten it. That was like a real clear mark in the in the timeline. Yeah. And within a month, my skin was cracking from all the sanitizer. <laughs> like the back of my hand was like, it was almost like open wounds were opening up. And um, <laughs> we, could, we, we couldn't get any. We would go to the, you know, because you could go to the pharmacy, right, and say, I need some hand, you know, grocery stores, pharmacies, vital businesses, right, were open. And the pharmacist would say, no, all the people from Madrid came and bought it all. Yeah. The people yeah. from the big city were out. So what did they do? Get in their car while they still could drive to the small cities or the small villages and grab yeah. as much as they can. I remember going grocery shopping before <laughs> the lockdown was going to go in it. And the people from Madrid who weren't supposed to be here. Right. 
because that's how it spread. Like people like, oh, lockdown, let's run to the country home and take it with us and and, and poison a bunch of rural people, <laughs> you know? And ah, it doesn't matter, I'm safe. Like, <laughs> whatever. So I went to buy groceries the day before. Like, it was like, bah, we gotta buy groceries, right? And I went to my butcher and I was like, okay, we'll take a, a, a full chicken, pollo entero. No, we don't have any people. Woman in here an hour ago bought like six of them. We're out. <laughs> it was like people's like selfishness was super on display. Or not maybe selfishness, survival first kind of mentality. Maybe that's not selfish. It's survival first. I'm going to make it through. I need six chickens. Yeah. Put them in the freezer, you know, yeah. camp out here in our second country home and ride it out. Yeah. You know, I think I can uh, count on one hand the times through this whole epidemic that I've sanitized my hands. <laughs> I would I would always just put my hand under the thing, and when the security guard there was looking at me as I was looking at the door, I would pretend. Then I would go like this and nothing. <laughs> so you're an anti-hand sanitizer. I am. <laughs> I didn't want them to dry up and fall away. Yeah, like like oh, or jazz one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I was I was um, well during this last little period. Of course, uh, as as you know, I lost both my parents. My mum who was ninety and my dad who was eighty nine. And and around that period, my dad actually he went into hospital for about uh, two weeks in February of uh, twenty twenty. And later on, we thought, well, that might have been COVID. But I remember going to the doctor, and uh, there was a Chinese guy there, and he was coughing. And I was thinking, geez, I hope that's not COVID. And we got, <laughs> my dad told the doctor, we got home. And, and uh, my dad was, uh, he started to shake. And I checked his temperature, and, uh, and he said to me, oh, I, I think I better go to hospital, so I called the ambulance. And anyway, we, we did that thing. He had a he had a, a pneumonia, so he had a bacterial infection, and so they they put him on the drip dry the uh, IV, and uh, by the evening he seemed to have calmed down a little bit and seemed to be much better. And uh, anyway, and then of course I. I was my mom was acting up all over the place too. She had dementia. So we were in and out. And this is probably the reason my hands started cracking. You know? Yeah. But apparently there's a silica cream that you can use. So yeah. So were you quarantined, Hans? Where were you when you were when you when the when the locks clicked shut? Oh, when I got really sick? No, no. When you got, when you got, um, he, he Hans had COVID, right? He's oh no, you had the COVID. First-hand account twice. Now it's my second time. Uh, how was the first one? Tell me about it. Horrible. What makes it horrible? Oh, just being weak and feeling a different sensation, or a bunch of sensations, bunch of different sensations every day. Right, and there is almost like being on LSD, but a, a LSD pain, not an LSD hallucination. It was like a pain hallucination, 
And so every day brought on a new experience of set of pains. And just so you were like a ping pong, ping pong ball machine of pain. Yes. Could yeah. you believe them? Were they were they like real and visceral, or were they like because they change all the time? You started to doubt your perceptions. Well, I mean, when I was in it, it just it. Well, I knew I knew it was all in the back of my mind. I had to I had to tell myself, okay, this is whatever. This is you know all phenomena, and just you know bear it. Um, but I knew I wasn't going to die. That was one thing I knew was not going to happen because um, I'm just too stubborn to die. I got too much to do, got to get it done and need some more years. So, but what a trip. How long, how long did it, did it have you in a headlock? Oh, well, I was on the, I was in hospital for two weeks. And then the healing was very, very gradual after they sent me home for another two week lockdown. Although I went out, I didn't, I didn't adhere to the lockdown. I went out like, you know, for 10 minutes, put my mask on, went to the store, got my stuff, went home. I did that a couple times a week. And uh, it was just slow. And, and gradual and it really affected my lungs that was the worst mm. and uh my sleep and yeah just and uh, i'm i was still recovering from the first worst bout when this second um one hit me oh but yeah the worst part is the lungs sorry go ahead i was just gonna say did you get tested the second time but no, this not this time. I'm just assuming it's got to be what it is, right? Okay. I mean, it doesn't feel like a cold because of the lung constriction part, right? I mean, with a cold, at least when you cough, it kind of breaks. Yeah. And you're good for a bit and it compacts. And this, this, it's just like a constant someone standing on your chest, right? And I mean, I just walk two blocks to the storm back and I'm completely winded. Well. Wow.